humans, welcome to the M Word podcast brought to you by Martin. That's me. I'm Matt. That's him. Hi Matt. Good to see you face to face for once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No gatherings. Or no, sorry, no not gatherings. Is that the right word? Uh, so thanks for everyone for joining us today. So, uh, new, slightly new format to our podcast or a new new element to it. What, what Matt and I found during our time chatting to sports people is that there's a lot of stories on the Isle of Man of... Uh, I suppose inspiration that people can take from that aren't, aren't particularly sports related. So we've we've started the M Word, which is I suppose no longer the M Word podcast, uh, sports podcast. So that will carry on, but we'll, we'll do stories that, that perhaps less sports focused, albeit one of our guests today is very sports focused. But the story we're going to talk about is, is less about the the sto- less about the sports side of things. So I think there'll be an interesting chat. So first of all, thanks for joining us, gents, Richard, yeah. Connor. Thank you for your time. No problem. Uh, both the guys have been through a, uh, I suppose, a traumatic event. Uh, well, yeah, I think to say the least. Uh, I think the stories, I've never d- dug into them, but I think there's some parallels, but also some different journeys, I'm sure, within there. We just want to dig into, uh, understand how you dealt with that journey, I guess, and uh, I'm sure that, that there's things to learn for everyone within the, within the stories. So maybe to provide a bit of background to our, our listeners, perhaps to start with you, Rich, your background, you Manx or are you from over, over the water? From over the water, yes. Right. Uh, born in Hampshire uh, a number of years ago, um, but moved to the island uh, with my parents when I was very young. Um, my dad um, came over to manage the Villiers Hotel on the promenade, which uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be familiar with. Um, that was a sort of a staple of the yeah. Manx social scene for a number of years and uh, had a bit of a revival in the 70s and 80s under his um, management. Um, but yeah, predominantly educated in the island. Um, was he based in Douglas yourself, Douglas School? Yeah, well, we, we lived in um, a pokey little flat at the top of the Villiers All right. for 12 years. Um, Not the penthouse suite up there, is there now? Uh, <laughs> Sadly not, no. um, but uh, no, it was uh, basically a few hotel rooms at the end of the, oh, of the right, hotel, okay. sort of with a partition wall, so um, it wasn't great, although latterly, in my latter sort of two or three years in the hotel, um, you know, sort of early teenage years, um, I graduated to a hotel room, oh, right. just outside, <laughs> outside the, 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 uh, the flat. And did you work um, in the hotel and help your parents in there? I did, yeah. Um, I mean... Got to the age of twelve, and uh, parents said, "Well, you know, you got to you got to work for you know, pocket money now." So, uh, I my first job was um, the worst job in the hotel, which was um, not far above that. No, no. Um, it was uh, kitchen porter in the okay. um, uh, in the main restaurant on the first floor, right. um, and then um, I graduated to being uh, one of the operators on the uh, uh, dishwasher. Right. Uh, so. The Phillies hosted a lot of big functions, as I'm sure a lot of people remember, and um, so we'd sometimes have sort of two big functions a night in the Villiers, and right. you know, sort of get these periods of about you know 250 plates and, and associated cutlery arriving, which all had to be cleaned and dried, and then yeah, sort of. Yeah. So when you say dishwasher, it wasn't a dishwasher. You were no, the dishwasher. Well, uh, we had uh, a, a, it was kind of a step up from from KP, so we had. Uh, what in those days was probably quite an extravagant dishwashing machine okay, for the right. functions. Um, and then um, I did a stint as a porter in the Villiers right. um, for the sort of the last sort of uh, 
couple of years that my dad was um, manager there. He then moved on to take over a place called the House Drake Hotel, uh, which is on Harbour Road, Nonka. Mm. Uh, sadly, no longer there. And um, I was working behind the bar there, um, probably illegally, uh, from the age of 17. <laughs> right. Um, so I've always... Um, Certainly Matt Alamant, your home. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've you know, been around the world. I've lived in different parts of the world, uh, but, you know, he, here I am. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I consider myself, even if not Manx by birth, uh, sort of, I consider myself a Manx person. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great place to, to live and work. It has its faults, like a lot of places, but, yeah. um, you know, particularly in the current environment, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a great place to be. Yeah, yeah, Lock, yeah. Lockdown, but yeah, free to move around, but no borders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Connor, a northern boy. Yeah, Manx born and bred. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> but on the sports podcast, we'd say you're Manx is the hills. Manx is the, <laughs> Manx is the hills. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, lived here all my life um, uh, in Grand North Ramsey. So, yeah, I'm quite proud to be from Ramsey. To be honest. Uh, what schooling were you at up there? Uh, so I went. Crikey. I went St. Mackles when I was four. Um, so you in the Mackled area? Were you living in the Mackled no, area? No, no. It's, it's the, the actual school was actually called St. Mackles. Oh, it was in, in, Ramsey. in Ramsey, yeah. And then I just went through Old Infants and all that. So anyway, yeah. Uh, secondary school was uh, Ramsey Grammar School, uh, who were actually very uh, accommodating, shall we say, when I... Uh, decided that I wanted to try and be a motorbike rider. Okay. Was that quite a young age then, was that thought? I know your old man's obviously involved with the bikes. Was that yeah. planted the seed? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, a, bit of a, a bit of a backstory on that one. I uh, I was actually born in TT86. Okay. So I couldn't not be interested in motorbikes, really. Uh, and my dad was racing and still races now, you know. So I was born into motorcycling. Yeah. So I had no excuse. So they give, I presume then, Yes, then if you're in school, 14, 15, I don't know what age you can start racing bikes. Uh, well, age. I went, I, I started when I was four, motocrossing. <laughs> um, and I went from, uh, did all local stuff, you know, yeah. did an occasional trip across uh, across the pond. And then um, I turned me, the, the, the governing body, the Autocycle Union, they relaxed the rules. So you could be 13 years of age and race a 125 road race bike on circuits, but only if the club al allowed you to do so. But unfortunately, I, our local club, you know, for whatever reason, they, they wouldn't allow me to, to ride over here. So that set the tone for actually, if I wanted to race, I had to go off island. Right. So that was the norm for us. Yeah, right. And that's where the school came in good. For, you know, I, I, yeah, you can go yeah, yeah. take a Friday off and... Travel away. Travel, travel away. And then I, I just did that, did short circuits and... Uh, I've yeah, spent my life racing around on motorbikes. I promised my own mind that before we chatted, I wouldn't ask a question about your height. But <laughs> having based on a one two five, and obviously they're small little things. Back then, were you a tall lad and str struggling with that? Um, or, I, but, but, but the pure fact you were still only fourteen, you weren't six foot. Yeah, I, I wasn't quite six foot back then, and I was still, you know, really light, and yeah, yeah. that wasn't really a massive issue. It was a bit of an issue, but not a huge issue really no. for, for a one two five and. That sort of, I learned a lot of uh, racecraft on a one two five corner speed and everything. I, I, you know, I owe a lot to that sort of time of 
when I started out road racing, really. Yeah, and at that age, how do you, how were you getting on? You know, results wise, were you doing well, or was it kind of just you were just doing it for a bit of fun, or when you were racing and potentially winning, thinking, yeah, I'm gonna carry on and keep doing this. It was purely on a, a you know, a club racing, a club level. It was all you know, thirteen year old, and I was like, I remember actually I sat on the bridge in having a coke with my dad <laughs> the day it got announced and I was like oh all excited uh, a 13 year old can ro- you know go road racing it was a massive thing and the excitement of that I was like bloody hell I can go and race a motorbike it's what all I've wanted to do all my life so far at that stage and that was a big thing and I never really sort of set out to do what I do today really yeah, yeah. On, a, on a professional level so uh, it just snowballed and brilliant experience brilliant life experience you know yeah yeah absolutely Tra- no. traveling away and yeah. we yeah. just that kind of mentality you think about privateers on the island right now was that a, a, a sleep in the back of the van type of trips were they at that age oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know my dad's a painter and decorated by trade and used to have to empty the back <laughs> of his van and to get the bikes in uh-huh. and you know Club racing, went to a little club race at um, a track called Three Sisters in Wigan. I think and I might push bike race there, actually. Yeah, I think Three they Sisters, do, yeah. yeah. And uh, there was six of us sleeping on the back of this van. It was a corrugated iron floor. Oh, nice. And it was horrendous. <laughs> but it was what we, what we had to do and what uh, we yeah. wanted to do. And yeah, as a family, it was, it was awesome. You know. uh, I'd never... I never frown like on a free chiropractor sleeping on that. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, right. yeah. I need him on the next day. Yeah, anyway. I bet. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So we're gonna jump, gonna jump, I suppose, forward to the to the what we, what we want to talk about today because I'm sure we could talk about uh, a lot, a lot more. But we want to talk about, I suppose, the trauma side of your respective inc- incidents. So to start again, flip back to yourself, Richard. Manx, you're working on the uh, trams at yeah. the time, age mid twenties. Yeah, early uh, early to mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of bit aimless in life. Right. Didn't have a clue what I wanted to do really, apart from the fact that uh, more by accident than design, I'd ended up doing a drama degree in London. Right. Um, having originally wanted to do law, uh, <laughs> don't ask. That's another podcast in itself. Um, and um, you know, I'd auditioned for this course and got in. Yeah, I, I do it. You know. Um, but I left with no sort of clear sort of career path and um, I think like a lot of people from the island you kind of tend to gravitate back to the island it's like a big security blanket and um, you know needed to, needed some money so um, I kind of um, decided to sort of do the job I'd been doing as a summer job for uh, previous years while, I, while I'd been an undergrad and uh, ended up on the MER again. Uh, it's actually a great lifestyle, you know, cash was amazing and uh, right. um, you know, got, got to meet a lot of uh, very interesting <laughs> people on there. Um, ironically, um, before, sort of, well, I guess we'll get to the accident, but before the uh, accident uh, I had, about two weeks before, um, I'd been on the tram when a, a guy who uh, didn't seem to be in control of his full faculties stepped off the tram at Port Jack and oh yeah okay yeah and, I remember that uh, yeah. ended up losing both his legs right so um, you, you know a, a couple of weeks before I'd actually gone through a traumatic incident yeah, with yeah. 
with uh, with somebody who'd been. I do remember that story when you first mentioned about having a, a tram accident. That's the first thing I thought of was was it that accident at Port Jack? And I never remember what happened. I just remember there was an accident. Yeah, at Port and Jack. it was quite you know, it was quite shocking, and, and obviously, and um, you know, not having really experienced anything like that before. And um, fortunately, there was a the, the, the tram was quite sparsely uh, sort of populated, but there was an anaesthetist right. on board with his family on holiday. The odds. So we, yeah, exactly. So we we kind of we kind of ran down because he'd stepped off at the um, by the toilets there yeah. and just sort of stepped into the wall and the trailer had run over him at his legs and so it was a bit of a mess. So there was an old black bin liner lying around, so he attended to the um, you know the, kind of the, the blood flow issue, and I ran down to a chip shop. Right. <laughs> then got first Fold. aid. Kit. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, a couple of blasters. Yeah, that's all the problem. And um, yes, yeah, so that was. It's you quite know, traumatic, I'm sure, in itself. Yeah, it was, and um, you know the the the, the tram people said, you know, they'll come in the next day, but it, you know, still. They offer any help living. beyond that of no, speaking no. to anyone. I appreciate it's many, many years ago now, no, perhaps the no, mentality no, was slightly different. It, it was, and, and we'll probably come onto it, but there, it, you didn't talk about those things, right. and I guess more so people in the emergency services who were around at that time will probably tell you the same. You, you experienced it and you got on with it. Right, um, right. There was no that there was no kind of support sort of infrastructure in place. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I was um, you know it was getting towards the end of the summer and um, we approached. Uh, we were in practice week for for Grand Prix, and um, I remember the date. It was August twenty second, nineteen ninety one, and uh, we'd. Um, I remember. I actually remember going out to work that morning because I knew that I had a bit of an easy day because we were carrying a tramload of uh, some sort of party enthusiasts or something out to Ramsey. Mm. So my day consisted of going out to Ramsey and then kind of coming back to Douglas and that was based hanging around in Ramsey for a few hours and then that was getting back to Douglas and that was it. And um, I remember we, we, uh, we stopped at Laxey on the way back, and uh, it's about a thirty-minute ride back to Douglas. So it, the, the halfway—it's actually called halfway. The stop um, is just by the Liverpool Arms, uh, the ex pub, and uh, we're coming through Old Rhine and uh, just going round a bend, and the trolley arm leapt off the wire. But you can tell this because the lights in the tram go out. Okay, and the trolley arm is, is spring loaded to it to avoid sort of damage to the overhead wires and the and the railings. You know, you kind of pull this. The trolley arm is attached to a rope, which right. ties up next to the near the conductor sits. And I was pulling this thing down. I I, I slipped up, and oh, right. um, so while the tram's still moving, obviously. Yeah, and um, you know you. I, I fell sort of right down onto the ground and was sort of holding on to the uh, bottom step of the tram set in motion. And at that point, you think... So you're the front or the back of the tram at this stage? I'm at the back, yeah. Right, the okay. conductor sits at the back and okay. there's obviously a trailer being pulled as well. So, so a comparison, for perhaps people haven't seen the trams if they, they haven't been to Armand, if you think more, maybe more uh, 
visually for people who more famously you think about San Francisco and the trams they have there that yeah, kind of it's enclosed but the back and the front yeah, end it's are like open. a giant tow strap being pulled yeah, by yeah. A, a tr- an enclosed yeah. tram isn't it <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so I was uh, I mean it's you know it's a bit cliche but you kind of think things flash before your eyes and uh, yeah I was sort of holding on to the bottom step and uh, you know being holding on for, for dear life and um your feet aren't dragging along the ground at this stage. Well, they're obviously behind me, um, right. and you're obviously scrambling. To, yeah. Your legs get out of the way, um, and you know, I lost my my uh, grip. Uh-huh. Fortunately, uh, in hindsight, you know, I fell out to the left, okay. and um, the trailer being pulled went over my right leg. Right. Apart from that, sort of fairly unscathed. <laughs> I mean, but apart, apart from the, I mean, the, the, the thing that some, you know, that can get to you is uh, if I fall into the left, I wouldn't, wouldn't be here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can, you can do something with a leg, or you know, you can't do it with your yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so that, that was, um, that you was know, luck. it's very, that was it's luck. very vivid. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, Connell has, you know, a similar story, but. It's very vivid. I didn't lose consciousness, but I knew um, I knew I was in trouble because um, I sort of ended up in the fetus position on the left-hand side, and I could feel something on the inside of my left oh, right. thigh, which was the toes of my right leg. Oh, Jesus. Um, and um, I just remember people. Um, I don't remember too much, although last year actually somebody who was on the tram approached me after having read my story. And to fill me with some gaps, but uh, you know, all I remember is this guy jumping off the tram and sort of just basically you know, just holding my hand, going, going oh, right. yeah. hanging there and stuff. And from the previous accident, a couple of years, uh, a couple of weeks previously, I knew that I kind of knew what was up. Yeah, right. And um, I, you know, I didn't. I made a purposeful decision not to look down. Yeah, right. Because yeah. um, I could feel what the issue was. I say at that point about that with those images and memories does the I know it sounds silly to say was there searing pain or is in yeah or is it kind of blotted out like your body kind of goes in that mode that it's in such pain that it tries to yeah knows you're in trouble and has that subconscious protected yeah. or another it, thankfully being in a thing like that is whether you, all you feel is just intense it, yeah I think initially it's I mean it was it's across here that across my shin shin, shin yeah. area um you know, you get a little whack in the shin. It's all, you know. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the, basically the, the leg was hanging off. You know, basically yeah, you know, yeah. to be uh, to be blunt about it. Um, and um, th- but after, a f- I mean, I don't know what could be ten to could be thirty seconds. I don't know. The adrenaline kicks in, mm. yeah. and you kind of like, and you want to stay alert. You don't want to lose consciousness because you think, oh, stay with it, and. Um, I mean, I even remember telling one of the passengers to get the red flag out of the the conductor's compartment because there was only there was a tram coming the other way about ten minutes afterwards, um, and this is an era, you know, no mobile phones. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was no radio on the tram, right. um, so somebody had to go and knock on the door, I presume. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, uh, so yeah, it, you know, I, I, 
heard from this lady, you know, a few years later, and uh, she remembers herself very sad, very crying, and she was saying, um, but I, you know, all I remember then is um, two guys coming up the room in this yellow jacket, and they're kind of looking at me, just saying, oh, it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right, just, and I was screaming at, screaming at them, swearing, going, I thought they were medics, but they're oh, actually the cops, right, okay, um, right. and um, they're from the roads unit. Because right. where I'd come off, it was part of the track which was not near any part of the road. Yeah, right. um, so they had to negotiate an ambulance down the right, track, right. and um, I then remember um, you know, the ambulance crew coming and getting the um, getting the gas and getting the happy gas on using, you. Using a, you know, a tanker of that before I got in the back of the yeah, ambulance, right. I think. Um, and then it's very much, um, it's very much like a cliche. You know, I, I, I got a police escort. I remember the sirens going, and I remember coming out nobles in the old nobles at uh, the A and E, and you're kind of on the trolley and you see the lights as you get you uh-huh. there. Um, and um, what was know, going through your head at that stage? Just that I lost my leg, you know, right, I've yeah. lost my leg. Um, yeah. But um, you know, having you know the adrenaline and the and the gas sort of you know combined, you know, they kind of make you do sort of fairly funny things. I remember there was a there was a load of people in A and E um, just around me, and um, then they all disappeared. I remember an X ray, and they all come back again, and um, it, you know, was, I remember my clothes getting cut off. Um, and because um, I was a little bit giddy, there was a, I remember a rather an attractive nurse uh, trying to cut off my uh, clothes and um, I think I may have tried to grab her. <laughs> but, <laughs> you blame the gas for that, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but um, one thing that I found out later, which I had in my favour, which uh, you know I can thank the, the Bank's Grand Prix for, was that it just so happened, and bear in mind time is of the essence with this kind of thing, that um, the, the trauma team at Nobles were in situ having a run-through to receive an injured rider. Oh, really? Just having a... So um, everyone who needs to be there was there. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember sort of, uh, you know, I remember my mum sitting with me in the ward because the intent ICU was full. Um, I think they only had two beds in it at the time anyway, I think, but it was full and I couldn't go in. Um, and uh, I remember I had to be put in the ward before I went for the surgery and I just thought oh, just, the pain got quite intense then. And um, uh, I remember being wheeled in and there was a mate of mine from school, Ian McVitie, who was... Oh, I know He'd bust his hip, I think, at uh, either Gerby or Andreas a, a week or two before. He was... He was in the ward, and I remember seeing his face. I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I and, he's, and he's gone, and uh, yeah, it, it was just a bit bizarre. And I, in that old ward seven at Nobles, it was a big, just a big room, a lot of beds, and a little TV on the top. And I remember waiting to go into surgery. And I remember uh, the accident was on the, the news. Uh, it was on, I think it was on the Northwest on the border. And uh, in those days, you could say the name of the. Um, the injured party, so I, you know, I was kind of <laughs> just remember this. It was kind of a bit surreal. 
But I got, I, by the time I got to surgery, I, I, I remember the last thing before I was put out, I begged them to pay me to the hotel. I said, look, he's just taking off. Oh, really? He's just finished the job. Right. Um, apparently, the doctors said to the parents that um, it's, it's literally right. hanging on by a bit of skin. Mm. Um, and... Um, I always think about because those obviously there's the me, this metal on metal, isn't it? It's tram track and a and a, and a wheel, and it's yeah. just metal on metal. Yeah. It's just when you think about it for for a male, my balls would disappear into my gut <laughs> thinking about that. Jesus. Wait. Yeah, but you know, I remember coming round in the middle of the night and seeing there was a nurse sort of checking me out, taking the temperature, something, and um, I looked down and I saw oh okay my left leg and I saw my a oh, right no. leg sort of heavily bandaged up and from that point I thought oh wow got a bit of hope yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting there just talking about the few few different things and how you talk about when you look at the positivity of I was lucky not to fall off this side I was lucky there was an anesthetist no not an anesthetist I was lucky you know there's a few lucky you'll take yeah, the positives yeah. out of it obviously a very tricky yeah. situation yeah I think and, and I think um, it is those sort of uh, those chance things that can you know make or break a situation you know, I was I was lucky. You know, there's probably other people in who've had similar experiences, and you know, those things haven't been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they haven't been in place. But um, right. I, I remember the um, it was just you know it was quite the, the first few days. It was quite a surreal experience, and um, uh, you know, I was I was unwell as well. I, you know, I had a bit of an infection. I had to, I had to be moved to a, a private room, and. Um, you know the the, the the issue with the, I mean they can do a lot with bones you know even in 1991 but what they couldn't do so much uh, with uh, in the arm hand was the soft tissue and although that you know, sounds a bit gory but they tried to recover the stuff that I'd lost at, at the site but it wasn't um, you know I had about sort of four four surgeries in about nine days mm-hmm. after the accident to try and you know, rebuild, rebuild the yeah, uh, yeah. leg with my with my soft tissue, but it, it wasn't working. So, um, well, maybe we'll dig into a little bit more yeah, about the surgeries. Yeah, yeah. We jump over to Connor and talk about your incident. Uh, pretty well known, to say the least. Uh, 2010, 115 mile an hour ish. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. So, so that was the year. Was the movie was made? Obviously, everyone knows. I think it was that year, wasn't it? They yeah. Recorded, recorded the movie, which I guess is one of the reasons the helicopters was around following you as well from the footage. Yeah. Uh, it restarted because of Guy Martin's crash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second lap. What do you remember of the the situation? Um. What do you not want it? No, no, no. I'm, I'm more than comfortable to talk about it. It. I actually, I'm total opposite to 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 Richard really, because I uh, I have no clear recollection of actually the incident. Right. Um, but it's been more after the event over the years where I I think my 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 brain is sort of steadily remembering stuff. Right. Which is really strange, uh, but in terms of the actual incident, what brings that on is that 
being in the air scene on TV? What or was it just random times? Yeah, uh, just time. Right. It's a time. It's um, I just you know just subconsciously started you know you start thinking about these things weirdly and uh, you think well did that really happen? You know, am I feeling the day the way I'm thinking now is that what I actually felt at the time? Right. Okay. Or yeah. is my brain just making this up just to make me feel the better? Gaps. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So many things. There's so many ways in which you can look at it, but the actual event itself, I really do not have a huge amount of uh, memory for it at all, mm. um, which is really strange, given the fact that it's so well documented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I thought that would sort of spark sort of instant memories, but uh, I think because everything was happened so damn fast, mm. you know, it doesn't really. You don't have time to think about it, you know. Yeah. You're going at, yeah, as you say, probably one fifty odd mile an hour plus, really, on the side of the tire. And next thing, it's it's you, I'm cartwheeling down the side of the hill. Do you know to this day the cause of it? I mean, when you look at the video, it kind of looks to me as a non-biker. The back end just seems to bounce a couple of times, and then obviously the front kind of scoops from under you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's down to there was a lot of wind that day, right. and. It the the way I sort of piece it together is you're going out towards the you're going around the side of a hill, you're going out towards the yeah. coast. You're open. It's all exposed. There's no shelter, and it all it took is really I think it's just a bit of wind to catch me at the wrong time, the right sort of speed. Yeah. I was on the side of the tire. You know you're accelerating around the bend. You know the front can be a bit light as you're accelerating because you're driving, and I just personally I think it was a, a lot of wind and. Um, I actually spoke with um, the the marshal, the 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 chief marshal. He was a uh, uh, Mike Clegg, bless him. Um, he, he was he was fit to give me a a, a first, you know. A, uh, he's, he's able to recite what actually happened, right? And uh, he said, I sat with him. I went to had a had a brew with him in Bar George one day. Cause I thought I've got to get some kind of clarity on the job, you know. Went with, went and sat with him and uh, he said... And can I ask, just, just to interrupt, is that clarity because you want to rationalise in your head why it went wrong? Do you think that's the driver for that or just... Yeah. It's important, I think, when you crash. I think it's important or when you have a... I don't know, it's general life, really. If you fail or there's a failure gone on somewhere, you want to know why it happened, don't you? Okay, yeah, yeah. And in your head, you just box that job off, and then it's like, right, I know why that happened. I'm tr going to try and avoid that next yeah, time. So yeah. that was more or less why I, I wanted. Find my best girlfriends when they dump me. <laughs> it's like, I need to know why. Tell me why, and then I can box it off. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying you went for a brew. <laughs> yeah, went for a brew, and um, yeah, I just I wanted to know what he really saw. And so he was on the outside of the veranda corner of the, at the marshalling point, and he was fit to tell me that. He could he obviously line of sight is all critical with marshals. So he looked back up the road, and so the, the the corner prior to the veranda, and you see him. You see the riders come in, interview. They disappear out of view, and then he sort of counts a few seconds before we reappear yeah. from the left. And he said, "I was a bit quicker getting to him." Okay. Uh, but he said, "Bang on line," in it. Proper in proper order, proper shape. Uh, didn't look offline or anything. He said, but that, that given moment, it got windy, and oh, it went really right. cold. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
And uh, so that sort of gave me, so that paired with what I've seen on, on the footage. Yeah, yeah. It gave me a lot of clarity on what actually happened. So, yeah, it's really, it's quite a peculiar sort of set of, I mean, I don't really remember the, the first initial start. Okay. But the, the, the last thing I can remember is getting my last pit ball at the gooseneck from my okay. Uncle Tynum. Right. On on lap two, that lap. On that lap, yeah. yeah. Right. That's that's is the only thing I can remember. Right. And I was like minus three seconds or something from, from the leader. Yeah. Right. But I was I was riding really well all fortnight and I was you know, I was riding good and bike was I was really happy with everything and yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gaining, you know, I, I was I was confident. Yeah. Not overconfident, I just had a good gut feeling I was gonna yeah. gonna catch the lads. I think I watched a couple of videos and post you know appreciating this is like 10 years ago now it's just just time flies doesn't it but you talked there about on that about the first lap that you just kind of it was steady into it 130 mile an hour <laughs> but steady into it and you were, i think three seconds off the lead which is you know n- nothing and then, yeah 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 and then it was kind of head down let's get into this type of thing yeah and it was it was we were talking before like you know going doing bsb and stuff to get up to speed and I'd had a really good run to up to Northwest 200 TT in the British Championship and the Superstock class, and you know it was fighting for for podiums and you know wins at cer- certain tracks, and I was in really good order leading up to it, and I was I was in such good shape. You know, I'd, my fitness was through the roof. Um, yeah. I was 23 at the, the time, um, and I was in I was in good shape going into TT, and everything was everything was working fine. Uh, yeah. bikes were fast competitive the whole package was great yeah, yeah. and um, it just it just goes to show you that with the best will in the world things can still with the absolute immaculate preparation yeah, yeah. Um, things can still go off it's out of your control isn't it it's just you know gust yeah. of wind and, a and you can only you can only control what you can physically control can't you and yeah. the rest is sort of out of your hands you know and when Rich was talking about his story about the, the elements of luckiness in, in certain situations if you look back at that footage now and one of the common things people talk about is you bounced over the wall do you yeah. look at that situation that whole accident and go i was lucky here and here do you do you have that let's call that a positive attitude of that or um or do you think i was damn unlucky because i fell off 150 miles yeah, an hour yeah, yeah. i think when i when i really dig down deep and look back over it i think i've been very very lucky i'm very lucky anyway you know to be still here you know yeah. some, Incredible, really. Uh, but I think the one defining thing that really helped me during that incident was how fast I was going. Mm-hmm. The overall top speed, I think, is, is sort of gave me that sort of, you know, been on my side. You know, I've, okay. I've, I've hit, I've crashed, I've gone down. But the sheer speed that I've gone off the side of the mountain is sort of, it, I think that overall momentum, if I can say that, is... Yeah enabled me to clear that wall yeah, yeah, you know, I've yeah, been bouncing yeah. off the ground I've, it's like literally someone like a big hand's come down has popped yeah, me over that yeah, wall yeah yeah and you've kind of from the foot you look like appreciate the helicopter's quiet but it's literally a couple of feet over the wall as well it's yeah, like, it's yeah I mean that's what I mean yeah just to be sat here now is a, it's a huge yeah, thing yeah, but yeah. you know I, I bust I shattered my humerus bone that's like like I clipped I clipped the wall with oh, me okay. with me left right humorous and that oh, just right, okay. smashed my bones. That's the nerve damage that you had post. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah okay. so. All oh, right, you were close to the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, glanced at, uh, yeah, at, yeah. at the speed, but I think, you know, had I not been of go, had I not have been going as fast as I was around that 
at that particular time it might have been a different story. Um, but yeah. What's your first memory post? Uh, so I presume you're lying on the ground down there. You, you weren't. Co- were you conscious then? I was. Was the memory not there? It's a know? bit fuzzy. Yeah, I'll yeah. be honest with you. It's a bit it's fuzzy. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but I do remember. Oh, you know, A and E. Don't remember the chopper. No. No. With with how televised and on the spot there. Do you are you are you there long? Do you know before you're picked up sort of thing? Because I, I don't know myself the response times of. Um, from when crashes like that happen, especially up on the mountain, to, to being able to, to yeah, get I think I think the whole thing was turned around pretty fast. You know, there is a helipad on the just yeah. off the mountain road. Whether the helicopter was there, I don't know, but it sits on the. Well, I, I just road. I was f- fairly close to the, the landing pad, which yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, I mean, a couple of more miles if I landed in the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the the big standout moment for me on that that when I've when I've gone through this whole process of rehab and recovery and uh, found out actually how the the state I was in, uh, I was basically my, I dislocated my my knee and I severed all the the, the tendons, ligaments, and all the rest of it. Uh, so I dislocated it, but. In doing so, it cut the supply, the blood supply to of from your, from your leg. Okay. And cause, so basically, uh, I've uh, Ollie, big German uh, fellow, he's he's taller than me. You know, saying you know he's a big fellow, <laughs> like strong as anything, and uh, he 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 basically saved my leg. Right. Because he, okay. he had he not have detected or felt around my leg for a pulse that wasn't there because of the dislocation. Right. I'd have lost my leg. Right, okay. And I was ifs and buts, but that's a fact. Right. And uh, very, very lucky. And it was th- thanks to... So he's the medic on, t- on site, was he? Was he was in the air med, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. and, uh, you know, they, but that just highlights just the expertise that these guys, you know... And it's a, it's a, it's a nice thing to know that you've got these people around yeah. you when you're terrorising around the track. position for them as well in regard to they've landed... On the side of mountain, probably a helicopter loud behind them, and they're they're, they're trying to analyse a ride in leathers, and yeah. make decisions. Uh, it just uh, stress you know, around that, let alone. Yeah, I mean, you talk about mentalities and uh, you know, mindset. Sorry, I don't know how. I don't know how those guys do it. Uh, I really don't. Yeah. If I, if if I was in, it's a bit bizarre to say, but if I'd have seen me lying there, I'd, I wouldn't know. I'd have yeah, been. Yeah. I'd have probably. You know, startled and yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a terrible situation. Yeah, you know, just did you hard. know him beforehand? No. No, 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 never, never met them. Um, it's similar with martial, you know, especially I suppose being Manx as well. And I guess a lot of marshals are as well when they see again a traumatic event. Mm. I'm sure that leaves an impact. I mean, you hear about marshals struggling when they see traumatic events as well, dealing with that. It must be, it must be horrendous, mm. you know, to have to, and it's, it's another thing. You sign up for a marsh to be a marshal, and like you carry, you carry responsibility. Um, and it's, it's a, I admire people who sign up to give up their time, their own free time, to yeah, go yeah. and stick the name down and do the courses and stand yeah. on the side of the track just so we we can go racing yeah, around yeah, the track. Yeah. Um, very very lucky, you know. I saw a clip. It was uh, the bottom of the uh, Garrow. Someone spilled oil a couple of years ago. The first rider down there. And uh, the next few through, the guys are putting cement out on the road. 
to the bottom of Garrow the guy, you know, the boys are going through there, whatever, 150 mile an hour, and the marshals are in the road, yeah. you know, waving the flags like 10 feet away from you guys. You know, everyone's slowing down, but yeah. you're still tramping on. It's, uh, yeah, they are, yeah, they have to deal with some, you know, like oil going on the track. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Panic stations, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. serious. If a bike hits that, you know, it could be terrible what yeah, happened yeah, after. Yeah. But it was a, a huge responsibility. And I've, I've done a bit of marshal myself, Mike's Grand Prix, when everyone has been down on numbers and you stood outside the track, you know, it was at the mountain box and it's blown a hooligan. And, and you're like, you know, you, yeah, the yeah, responsibility yeah, is yeah, massive. Yeah, sure. So, so you mentioned there that the first recollection of the hospital, getting to the hospital. Yeah, uh, I was flat on my back, um, and at that stage, they didn't realise my back was broken. Um, and uh, yeah, my, my my family and my team was stood around me. Right, and that was that was the, that was the start of it. Um, Pre any X rays at this stage, I assume, is it? Yeah, in hospital bed. And yeah, um, it just because obviously there's a lot of swelling that's took place, and obviously swelling. It's a bit of a nightmare, isn't right. it, for, for identifying injuries and stuff. Yeah, and right. they just didn't really, for whatever reason, they just didn't clock it straight off the bat. You know, my back was in a mess. Um, you know, my, I did, well, the two vertebrae were unstable and right. three others were stable. And these are ultimately close to the, whatever the word is, that you know, the you spinal. Yeah, yes. yeah, that, you know, one of them gets damaged during a lot more trouble. Yeah, and that was, that was the big fear, really. So that was when... It was all like right, okay. We uh, just I need to go to Liverpool, right. so I ended up in the the that Royal. Day. Uh, no, I was seven days. If I remember rightly, I was seven days in Nobles. Right. Okay. And they was that just a for my mode rest and the swelling go down, or were they doing stuff in those seven days? Um, just keep me stable, really, right. and monitoring were swelling. You drifting and, in and out, or were you fairly? No, I was I was flat on my back, and they ended up putting a back slab on me on my left. Um, just to keep that oh, stable right. so it can't get any worse and you know piling drugs into me just to keep me away from pain you know right. um, and then it was uh, right over to Liverpool so I got a, I was in the private airplane that they've got yeah. down to over to Liverpool and then ambulance to the Royal right. and that was it for, for I was there for about three weeks I think it was right. okay. um, so they scan you there and start Identifying the problem or more of the problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, just like shit. This getting worse. Was your worse. head like like thinking wise? Were you like? Um, I was a bit all over the place to be honest. I was, you know, but even at that, I had to make some big decisions because there was two sort of options really. One was let your back, you know, they'll put you in a body cast. Uh, so it was my lumbar spine, lumbar section of my spine, five five fractured vertebrae and two were unstable. So the options were that plus my shattered humerus, uh, had a fractured pelvis, dislocated leg. Um, All right, kind of no one likes to show off. Numerous abrasions <laughs> around everywhere. Yeah, it what was, wasn't broken? Is yeah, that that would have been an easier option, uh, wouldn't it? But, um, I mean, a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot You'd of pain. Med it up. Yeah, it was. It was. It was bad. Um, then it was. Yeah, so one option was to put me in a. A cast for six weeks and hope me and hope was the word that was used. You know that right. made me vertebrae sort of stabilise. They talked to you at that stage about you might not walk again. Is that a conversation that the, happened? There was all sorts. Yeah, yeah. There was like, it was when they 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 come around and say right, 
you know, what do you want to do, basically? Do you want to have an operation on your back or and stabilise your back or right. do you want to leave it? And I said, well, to be honest, I want to get back racing, you know. I want to get... That. This is... I've got a plan now and if I'm going to do that, then my best option is to have it uh, fused. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty early on, the mindset was, I want to get back racing. Yeah. That's what you know. Yeah, I was led down my back, I couldn't move. I was looking at ceiling tiles all day. That's it was red hot in the middle of... Slapped back in the middle of Liverpool. yeah. Sweating like God knows what, and I was, I was like, I just want to get out of there, you know, get right. me fixed and get me out of there now, you know. Right. But I had to just sit tight. Um, that's why I signed on the dotted line, got to get me back. Uh, right. All, um, yeah, two rods and screws into me, me vertebrae. And, and what were the family saying at that stage? Um, obviously, massively concerned. Mum um, and dad were, um, you know, my family were flying over to, to see me in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they were, they were massively concerned. Like, but do you talk to them about want to go racing again? Um, yeah, that was um, that was uh, a big discussion. Like, you know, yeah, right. Um, and with, right, were they like, what? What do you want to do? You know, right, okay. I, I, well, to be actually, that's 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 nonsense. I I actually said I want to go back racing again. Right, you know, it's my decision. I'm big boy. You know, yeah, yeah. Trying to make big boy decisions, and I thought that that's what I want to do. Um, yeah, my my gran, my gran at one stage because I was working prior to going professional at road racing. Um, I used to work in a bank as, right. a, as a cashier, and uh, my gran uh, asked me one day, um, "So are you going to give up the bikes again and go back and work at the bank and or get a normal job?" I think it was. I was well accustomed to go and racing motorbikes. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I just said, no, I'd, I'd sooner throw myself off the veranda again. Like, you know, so <laughs> I was hell-bent on going back bike yeah, racing. Right, you know. right. That's, was just, that's all I wanted to do, was yeah. race bikes. and um, Yeah. So that was an 11-hour surgery, I think I read, on the back. Uh, 13, I think 13, it was, in the wow. end. Um, you know. I mean, you think about the surgeons that are doing that, <clears> it's just... Yeah. Incredible. My, my surgeon, there was there's numerous surgeons there. Marcus Damatis, he, he fixed my back and his team, and uh, Joe Banks and another guy called Matt, they fixed my arm and my knee right. in uh, Broad Green. And are these kind of all not simultaneously, but pretty much happening in a fairly short space of time? It's not fix your back, let you sit up, and then start on your arm. These are happening. Yeah, I mean, I. I Fixed my back. I had seventy-two staples in my back. Right. And all the like the uh, dissolvable stitches and all yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, and then they waited a week, I think it was, to fix to do surgery yeah, on the human. Not long, is it? Right. Yeah, yeah. Much pain? Oh, it must. That's a stupid question. It was. It was manageable pain. As long as there was a there was morphine there. Yeah, right. I yeah. was okay. You yeah, know, yeah, was, yeah. Was, I had this little blue. Like a little blue machine, you just hit it. Oh right, <laughs> keep your finger on it. Yeah, it's just like I couldn't get it, couldn't get it in quick enough, you know. <laughs> but I needed it, you know, just to make me comfortable. But I, you know. And and, and looking, sorry, Matt. Looking back when when you're in that phase, there, you do you, you thinking about the accident, thinking about what rank went wrong, and you haven't. I mean, they talk about people even being angry with, did I make a mistake, and getting frustrated. Were those thoughts in your head at that stage? Um. I'll be honest with you, I was more pissed about not winning the race. All oh, right, okay. And, you know, I, I was just, 
I was frustrated. Then I thought, get a grip of yourself. You know, you're alive. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that haven't, I'm not able to say that. And it's, you know, I was very, I just instantly tuned men to being, I've got to be grateful here. You know, I'm a very, very lucky person. And, um, but yeah, I, I needed, after that was the case, I need to know why this happened. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right. why that's that's discussed before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I say, during those, you know, the time in the hospital there, and as you're saying, after the back surgery, it was seven days to the arm surgery, probably in between in and out. How was your mindset there? As in, I know you said you wanted to kind of get back on the bike as soon as possible, but did you have moments where you weren't self doubt? Yes, stuff, isn't you weren't as positive it was going to get there, or was it very much? It doesn't matter what anyone says. I'm going to be on the bike. Um, the, the the overall focus was there. Like, well, sorry, the goal was there. But from being flat on my back in hospital to actually getting on the bike again, it was like that. Yeah, it up was and up down. and down, right. up and down. It was just ridiculous. It was a, such an emotional roller coaster. Um, so that'd be you make a pr- some progress. We were talking about before off air, you make some progress and then it would kind of plateau or maybe even step back. And you'd yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I went from being fully fit to you know to going through all that that trauma to actually going you know working with Kath Davis my physio uh and setting a goal and my goal was to be able to put my socks on yeah right mm. was that a lot about it and same with you rich small goal setting to to yeah. start yeah I think, that rebuild yeah, um, uh, I mean I, I I was told sort of fairly on in the in the process that uh, if I if I kept a leg then I wouldn't be walking without a stick again. And, you know, you come to accept that. But I think as you, you kind of know your own body and you know how far to push things. And, and um, if, as Connor said, it's about setting little goals and not, not being stupid. I mean, the extreme is, oh, yeah, I'm going to be running about. Race a bike. It's, 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 uh, it's about sort of setting um, realistic targets for yourself. Yeah, right. And achieving them and then sort of, is that a daily process? It was, it, was slightly, it was slightly different for me in that, um, I mean, I had lots of time to think. You, yeah, you know, I imagine um, that's part of the problem almost. You, you, know, um, you know, I had, um, you, you go from sort of, you go through a sort of a surgery and then you're going to wait and then you, you have another surgery. Um, the reason for me flat, being flat in Liverpool was that I needed to have you know, basically a, a leg rebuilt from, uh, as it turned out, from other parts of my body. Oh, right, um, okay. But, um, you know, in between those periods, building up to that big operation um, and then sort of the recovery from that, and then coming back to Nobles to, to sort the orthopedics out, you've got plenty of time to think in between those. Um, and... You know, it's hard to stay positive, but it, you know, it is important to sort of set yourself little goals. And um, while you're on your back, not being able to move, um, it's tricky. You know, it's it's tricky to vision that. But particularly in the um, you know in the post the post surgery uh, the post leaving hospital period, you know, I think it's um, I was in, you know I did a couple of weeks of physio in Nobles, and then I was discharged. Um, in time for Christmas and you know you have daily physio and it's about sort of seeing those you know making those little sort of targets and, mm-hmm. and meeting them and 
Um, and are you setting them? The physio setting them? What's? Remember, uh, physio Michelle. She said pretty much on the first day, my physio with her. She said this is ninety five percent you, five percent me, mm. um, and um, so yeah, you do put a lot of trust in the, in the physio, but um, it, it's it's been what you're comfortable with. I mean, I used to go to the physio and see people doing things. And think, no way I'll be doing that. Mm. But as your recovery continues, you become a little more confident. Mm. You get a bit more aware of what your body can take. Yeah. Um, ironically, I probably pushed the recovery too much right. initially and, and did too much, which caused me a, you know, a bit of a big setback um, later on right. um, in my recovery period. But, and, um, and what's that pushing? Is that your is that like drive, motivation in you or, or just... Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of it's because I didn't I didn't have a job, I didn't have a you know bike career or, or anything like that. You know, I didn't have anything. I just this accident that happened, and it was like, oh well, it's the only thing I had to focus on really. Um, which had good points and bad points. You know, it's probably good in the short term, but in the longer term, not so great. Um, because it consumes your whole life. But I wanted to be defined more than an accident. I mean, the first thing that anybody ever met. Said to me for, for what, mm. about two years afterwards, oh, how's, how's your leg? Yeah. You, you become defined by your leg and your injury, and you go, well, actually, I, <laughs> I do it, you know, I want to do other things. Yeah, I, right, right. I want to move on, I want to forget about it. Yeah. Um, I don't want to find. Sat here now talking yeah. about it, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the second time in uh, yeah. 20 years, 20, 30 years, but um, yeah, it's, it, I didn't want to become defined by it. Um, but yeah, I can look back on it now and think, well, actually, do you know what? It, ironically, it probably did more good yeah. than, than, uh, than harm, if you like. It's, it sounds weird, but no, that, it gave me a question. focus and it yeah. gave me a, a purpose initially in terms of recovery and then it gave me an opportunity to think about my life and where I was going and mm. then it gave me an opportunity indirectly when I was mobile to, to travel and to do something with my life you know, through, you know, um, with a compensation for it. I mean, and I can look back on it now, and I think even to you know what I do now, I look at you know I start my own business yeah. uh, eighteen months ago, and um, you know similarly kind of scratching around in the dark really, career-wise, thinking oh, what am I going to do? And, and I thought back to well, how could I think? What was my mindset when I was recovering from the accident? If you you know I had a a, tar- you know, a series of targets, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and a focus, and you work at it. Yeah. And, get there and I think I tried to apply that kind of thinking and determination to you know my career and, and um, uh, you know I kind of I don't recover that well but I sense it in my dealings with him that he's, he has that sort of same drive and determination well, in his that was an observation I was just mm-hmm. thinking about today was you both ended up with your own businesses and that, that drive to do that is that you know a byproduct of could be, yeah, I think about, you know, having faith in yourself and having trust in yeah, yourself, yeah. obviously in very different scenarios, but um, you can apply that thinking into any situation, really. Yeah, yeah. If you want to do something, if you want to achieve something, you, you can do it. you just got to work at it, uh, be realistic, uh, and and be resilient, keep at it. You Which know, is the same as the rehab stage. You, yeah, and you, be, you, you get a series of um, challenges and hurdles and difficulties. Um, you know, mine came. You know, with a 
I was getting you know not cocky, but um, I I pushed my recovery too much because um, it had uh, you know basically had a new leg. Uh, you know, at the time it was quite pioneering surgery. I had um, I basically lost it. Turned out basically lost the middle of the leg, you know, right. skin bone, muscle, everything. Um, so what the surgeon did in Liverpool was uh, took my latissimus latissimus dorsi on my left shoulder. Okay. Uh, put that in the uh, in the gap. Right. Okay. Um, I had skin from my thigh, veins from my leg, um, and then when that I was in hospital in Liverpool for a couple of months, came back and I was with the orthopedic. And they managed to pin the leg, right. but not with the because the damage was not a very wide pin. Right. Um, and because I probably pushed the recovery too much, um, in about five or six months after I was originally discharged, I remember my, my leg got really warm right. uh, down below and swelled up. It was really hot. And I could, sounds really cool, I could dislocate the lower part of my shin and I could hear this scraping sound. And I remember saying to Michelle and the physio, I said, this doesn't right, no, no, it's really sore and I put my foot down. And she said, well, it's not pink, because it's, you know, yeah, yeah. it's made of strong stuff and it's titanium. And she says, yeah, you've kind of broken that. But we'll take you to x-ray. And um, got to x-ray and I snapped in two. All right. So that probably warmth was blood, I assume, coming out. Prob yeah, probably because you remember Yuri Geller, and he, you know, he'd, or if you get well, actually, you used to bend spoons and you break them. But yeah. if you get a spoon and you kind of apply a little bit of pressure backwards and forwards on a spoon or a fork, eventually it gets really hot and it just oh, it's, right. it snaps like yeah, yeah. really easily. Basically, that's what had happened. Um, and was that just because you said you were trying to? Walk on it. Or yeah, I, I I'd sort of uh, got off the crutch, crutches too early. Uh, was walking with a stick. Um, I think probably trying to prove to myself that you know I wasn't going to be beaten mm. by this. But you know, in fact, I, you know, I should have stayed on crutches for probably a year or two longer, to be honest. And um, but the constant pressure every time you put your foot down, um, you know, the, because the leg wasn't straight, um, I was putting pressure on the pin and eventually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Way. And that caused a bit of a setback because um, although they can recover the top part of the pin quite easily, they just kind of lift the kneecap up and, and pull it out like a cork out of a bottle. It's a bit tricky to retrieve the bottom part right. of the, uh, the pin. Uh, but they managed it and um, they, they managed to put in a, uh, a larger right. pin, which I still have to this day. Oh, right, okay. It's my bed. It's, it's not oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, okay. right. Um, and... Um, yeah, so it basically a bit of a setback. Um, ironically, it happened before TT again. So uh, obviously, there's no room to uh, do elective surgeries at that point. So yeah. I got big leg in plastic. Kind of gets the priority. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did get free into uh, a couple of nightclubs because I come off the bike and practice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, it that's was, why it's not dancing away. That's the problem. Yeah, you'd be right, but. Um, yeah, I think um, in terms of recovery, yeah, be be realistic. I was I'm right. probably bloody minded. Um, Were you bloody minded before? Uh, stubborn. Right. Um, yeah, stubborn. I think. Right. Um, but 
Um, I was not really a hugely outgoing person. I sort of kept to my own, and, and um, but I, you know, I could be stubborn about things. And, I, I, and like I said, I think just before we came on air, you know, I became very single-minded about it. Right. I became I, everything I focused on was was going to be about this yeah, recovery, recovery. Uh, to the exclusion of pretty much everything else. Right. Know, at the time. Even family around you, kind of. Yeah, well, my mum and sister had been over in Liverpool with me, and um, uh, which was great. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I used to—I mean, it was pre-mobile phone those days, and so I used to get letters um, sent to me in Liverpool, which was great. Um, but um, that was a new means of communication, really. Right. Um, and when I got back to Nobles, you know, that was good. You know, a few visitors in, and, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you kind of. I said I didn't have a job to go back to. Um, right. It gave me an opportunity to think, well, what, what am I going to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, how many surgeries did you end up with in the end? Thirteen. Thirteen surgeries. Yeah. I mean, a few of those were um, uh, like I had the the one immediately after the yeah, yeah, the yeah. accident, um, and then I had sort of I think three or four, and I was flown off to Liverpool after about nine days. And um, I had about three, I think, before mm. I flew over. Um, I think every other day, and that was just to see if the, the tissue they recovered would mm. take, if you like. <laughs> and it, it didn't. Um, but fortunately, the, the surgeon at the time, uh, Mr. Green, was ex-British Army, and um, you know he'd seen a few sites. Right. And the injuries I had, you know, with you know bone. Tissue loss are very, you know, they're sort of very compatible with a bomb, bomb blast. Oh, right, shooting. okay. And, um, you know, I didn't know much about what I was going to experience in Liverpool. He said, oh, you can't do much for me to get across. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, you know, he can do amazing stuff with bones, but if you haven't got the soft tissue, yeah, yeah. there's not much yeah, you yeah, can do, really. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned before, before the game we came on, you did. That then that you start going through that rehab phase and coming out of hospital and then yeah. the small goals you get to but then things start to platter out and that, yeah. that struggle with that kind of how long into that sort of from the day of the accident was that and um, were you aware that you started to get that way or was it what what shook you into realizing oh this yeah, isn't I, this, think, I need um, some help here yeah I mean um, I mean. After, and I was in hospital for about four months initially, and then I got ruled out for Christmas. And then I was back in for New Year for bone grafts from the pelvis. Um, and then, um, you know, had had a sort of a busier every day, uh, Monday to Friday. I was there sort of three hours every day. And then that recovery, you know, talked about being on a stick, you know, everything seemed to be going swimmingly, you know, amazing, you know. People said, oh, what a great recovery. Then I had that setback with the broken hip. Mm. And I, you, know, you kind of think, oh, you know, that's, uh, that's not so great. Um, and then, um, sorry, after... I guess that must as well play in the back of your mind there that you've <coughs> been told you do so well and to what you kind of see as normal. No one's telling you at this point you're doing too much, you're carrying on and you're, you're progressing so that when you that then happens and you... Have to kind of rewind the clock, as it were. Is that in the back of your mind there? That okay, well, 
I can't, I can't do those steps as quickly as I want to, or I, I already know that from my initial point to here, this is my time frame, well I already know if I do that, I could end up again, so whatever I want to be, I'm going to have to double this. Or Yeah, you kind of realise actually, uh, it was kind of the start of the slowdown in the, in the recovery, if you want. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly after I'd had the new pin put in, um, the physio, uh, not Michelle, but the, the kind of head physio um, said, uh, oh, I don't think you should, uh, you don't need to come anymore. Um, which was, you know, kind of really, really hit me a lot. Mm. I was going, well, I'm still, I'm crutching, I'm still. And um, looking back, I, I maybe had a point. I think I'd become institutionalised. You know, I'd, I'd had several months in hospital with, you know, just lying there and people do, you know, your food brought to you mm. and you want to go to the toilet, that's, you know, you bring to that you know, bowl to you. You know, everything, everyone's coming to you. Yeah. And uh, all you got to do there is lie there and, and take it, really. Um, and then after I got you know, discharged initially, you know, you got that routine of a physio and... Um, the purpose, I guess, you get up as a purpose to go, you go to yeah, the and, and it, it was a, it was probably a, fairly early on, before the pin broke actually, because I, I started, uh, just before I left, uh, it was about a week before I left uh, after my initial six in the hospital, nurses said, uh, oh you're off any drugs now, and um, so, even pain you can have a, they, they brought, they, they said you can have a, have a Guinness in, uh, oh, right. have a Guinness if you want to. So, uh, you know, I used to have this, remember the first can of Guinness, I was just flaked out, um, unconscious. But when I left hospital, I started to, um, you know, I was not going to say I was out every night, but, you know, I'd, I'd, my friends were very good to take me out, but I'd, I'd sort of start drinking Guinness a lot, and uh, I noticed I was having trouble sleeping, and I was kind of, I'd kind of wake up with a sort of explosion going off my head, right. and, um, you know, I kind of, Sit, not bolt upright, but I become awake, and that was the kind of start, I think, of the sort of post-traumatic stuff. You know, right. I think because you're so cocooned in this hospital bubble, and you've got this sort of routine to the morning. But then in the afternoons, it was like, well, I go down, I go to sleep in the afternoon. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, then I, I just sort of, so I wasn't very active. Um, and then later on in the year. You know, I was still having trouble sleeping. I was drinking a lot. I got up to probably about sixteen stone. Right. And when you've got that kind of, you know, carrying that body weight on that kind of injury, mm -hmm. it's not, yeah, yeah, not great. And you, you kind of you don't feel great about yourself. You can't sleep, and you kind of. It was the family around trying to steer you in the not that you were going the wrong direction, but in the keep an eye on here. Do you want to stop drinking a little bit? That kind of thing. Was the people around you I saying that? I think I probably just kept it. Uh, Right. Um, I mean, I don't know if I had a, I think I had a drink problem, but it was just what I was drinking. It wasn't yeah, very mobile. Yeah. It, just, yeah, yeah. it has an effect, but yeah, it, yeah. It, I just it, it helped me sleep, right. and um, you know, I, I'd sort of, you know, I sort of get these sort of uh, I don't know if they're flashbacks to the accident, but they were kind of images associated with it so there was always a there was a big explosion always like a bright light like lightning right okay 
and even to this day, I think I wasn't before the accident, but I'm, I'm quite fearful of thunder and lightning because it just right. it yeah. kind of reminds me of the images associated with the accident, you know, the noise, yeah. you know, the crack, mm. and the yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. still sort of freaks me out a little bit. Was there a tipping point somewhere where you where you realised things needed to things were getting on top of you? If that's the right term, or um, yeah, I, um, I I just lost motivation uh, for kind of just to do anything really. Right. I wasn't going to the physio. I didn't have a job. I was sixteen stone. I was on crutches. I did living at home. Didn't have a lot going on in my life. You know, in the mid twenties. And, and that's age where you kind of, in you, I mean. Were you blaming going, well, what's your fucking football commitment? Was yeah, yeah, you kind of then think, oh, actually, this is crazy. You know, why did this have to happen? Right. But I, I, I kind of, I remember going to the doctor about, um, I can't remember what it was about. Um, uh, Dr. Chalmers, uh, he's passed on now, but uh, on the promenade medical centre, as it was, it was actually on the promenade. Um, and uh, I'd seen him about something, at the end I said, Talk to you about something else. Yeah, he said, I'm just not. Uh, I just don't feel right. I just feel really flat. And he said, uh, he kind of, I think he twigged what what was up. And he said, uh, he said, I'm not going to put you on anything, but you should make an appointment to see this um, this person that uh, there was some sort of. I can't. I I can't remember what it was, but it was on Harris Terrace. Right. It turned out it was uh, a lady who dealt with um, uh, psychological problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I made an appointment to see her. I went to see her, and uh, you know, she, she might have a very nice lady for chat. And um, uh, she sort of recognised the problem, but she kind of admitted that there wasn't. She wasn't a sort of specialist in the sort of the yeah. post-traumatic sort of stress area, um, so I didn't really. Apart from that conversation, I didn't have anything really, and I'm not. I wasn't really the kind of person to talk about stuff. Yeah. Again, we're talking thirty years ago as well. Yeah, people. I keep a lot in, um, yeah. and um, I just sort of just want to live with it really. Right. And uh, the only thing that sort of really helped me, and it did genuinely help, was um, a friend of mine who. Had a, a, a serious accident, as it turned out. Now, Charlie knew nothing about lipid props. And we were having a conversation in Bushies one night. Um, and uh, I was, How are you doing? And I said, Well, yeah, I'm not feeling too great at the moment. And he, he, you know, he talked about his accident. He said, You know, right. it's, you know, he said, I had exactly the same thing. He says, You, you will get better. You right. will get over it. And, um, it, just that kind of small conversation. Kickstart the right direction. Or yeah, the, got me the thinking. Stop going that downward. Yeah, and I sort of tried to put a bit of structure in my life, so um, I thought I need to, I need to get a job. So <laughs> uh, I applied uh, and, and got um, a job with, a, with an insurance company right. uh, where I stayed for two years. I mean, that, that insurance wasn't for me, but you know, it gave me that sort of structure and that kind of. I think you need that structure in, in your life, full stop, whether, whether you're you know, struggling with injuries or whatever, that's that structure and routine. And yeah. I think humans are built for that. I think they function best in that environment, typically. They do, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I know everyone's different, but I, I agree. I think you, 
you need you need some semblance of of structure and a purpose. Yeah, yeah, in, in line. yeah, yeah. So, a question we asked uh, Connor there: just those early days when you were in hospital, was there was there any? Because again, I've read stuff about when, after you look after the accidents or incidents and trauma, people look back and are angry. They analyse what happened and and perhaps get uh, frustrated and angry with themselves for well, if I hadn't done this, I wouldn't have slipped. And did you have any of those moments where you were? No, um, I can't think of a time when I was uh, particularly, you know, resentful about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds weird, doesn't it? Um, but well, it's a good thing because I imagine you can bat your head with it, thinking because mm. ultimately it's happened. There's nothing you can do about it now. Yeah. So I mean, people are asking me, "Oh God, you were lucky." When I go, "Well, actually, no. I think I was actually quite lucky." Uh, yeah, well, if you think about it, you know, if, yeah. if I, you know, could have, could have yeah, been a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you look at it like that, then actually, I'm, well, you know, I'm really looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, it, I think it's in in the sort of longer term view of things. I think it's helped sort of um, in terms of a mindset. You know, I, I always looked on the recovery as, um, you know, always put try to think positively. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. It, not a kind of well, why me? Um, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was in hospital with people like that, right? Um, both in the Isle of Man and um, in Liverpool, there, there were people who, um, I mean, uh, you know, they saw it as some people saw it as a money making opportunity. Yeah, right. Um, particularly, in, obviously, in relation to you know compensation. Um, What's your views and both your views on something I was reading today as well about the mind and that that. You know, when we spoke to, spoke to Richard Hill about psychology, he's talked, they've done studies where you think about lifting weights with your arms, you can grow muscles. So the mind's that strong that it can can trick your body into doing that. So why wouldn't that apply to rehab of broken bones to speed up that process? What's your general thoughts about that? I, if I've got this right, I think I've got a prime example for that. My When I shattered the humerus, I stretched and bruised the the radial nerve, so I put me my left wrist into a sleep. You know, I couldn't lift my fingers or lift my wrist. But one of the it's like muscle memory and all the rest of it. With with Kath, once I was able to, she was able to get my hand, lift it, and I was copy. I was mirroring it with oh, my right. right. Okay. So all muscle memory was was kicking in, and it was all through really through your head. Right. I was just training my left wrist to, to operate again because it was in a, a deep sleep, really. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I just, that was, uh, I think that's an example of that. Yeah, really. yeah, no, for sure, sure. So, so looking at your, your rehab there, that, that those phases, how many surgeries did you end up having? If you can remember. Four, right. four surgeries. Right. Um, one, they did my back, so they... they Put rods and bolts in my back. They stabilised my left leg and then revisited it to do my left arm. Right. And then fix. Actually, put. I uh, did a hamstring harvest and everything from my right leg. Okay. To make tendons etc. from my, right. my left knee. Right. Uh, so after that was just a case of hyperbaric chamber. All right. Okay. Um, with Dave Downey there and the team, uh, and. Kath Davis from Rex Physio. Right. And I think the one single thing that really got me through everything was the people around me. Okay. Like that support mechanism of 
family, friends. Uh, I, I was I, I consider myself very lucky in that respect. Mm. Uh, I think that really got me through a lot of the a lot of the crap. That's what uh, again I'm chatting to Rich about getting through those things is. He said one of the biggest things is that family support network around you. Yeah. And and then having yeah. a physio specialist who can help you focus on these small goals to build. Yeah, I think you know, particularly in terms of yeah, the family support is vital, and I was you know fantastic um, support. And I think particularly when I was in Liverpool, um, because um, it was a plastics and burns unit for the whole of northwest of England, up to you know borders of Scotland, right down to North, North, North Wales. And um, you know, I was lucky because you know, mum and sister had friends to stay with near the hospital, yeah, right. but. Some guys are getting a you know, weekly visit from right. wife and kids. And, and, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, Lonely place. Three mobile phone. You, you, you kind of, you're like, uh, you, Lonely you know, place, like, like you're in a military mm. hospital waiting for yeah. the letters to come every day. Like, yeah, all right, right. Uh, and you know, it was it was important that they were there. Um, even you know, you run out of things to say after a while. You know, you, yeah, just right. There reading the magazines, but you know it's important. Just company, to, yeah, yeah. It's important to happen there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it, because your physio is only, you know, small amount of the day where you, you know, concentrate with your nurse or whatever it may be. And you know, the rest of the days, if you haven't got anyone yeah. there to, to support yeah. you, you're left with your own thoughts yeah. and it's, it's motivational and it's, yeah. it's encouraging. You can be yeah. to yourself. Be your own worst enemy, exactly, can't you? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, tell you what, the, the nurses are so important in your recovery. Not necessarily only from the you know the application of of you know injections whatever it is but from the from the mental side yeah, particularly in orthopedics because you, you're usually sort of pretty compensatory but you can't move so uh, you, you're often kind of not ill around it you kind of you're generally aware of what's going on and the nurses play such an important part in keeping your spirits up having a laugh i remember the the uh, the morning uh, i was getting flown to liverpool in the afternoon didn't really know much about what you know what was to expect, and uh, two nurses came in with uh, a bowl of water and a rubber tube, and they said, "Well, you know, they won't let you on the air ambulance without an enemy." And uh, it's like absolutely petrified. Going, you're not sticking that in me, and they started <laughs> wetting themselves because it was all wind up, of course. <laughs> but it was just little things like that, you know, just keeping your spirits yeah, up. Yeah. Um, and um, because you know it's uh, for some people on the ward you know it's uh, I'd, I'd spells in a ward a lot of time on my own but you know it's about you, you can be quite lonely yeah, I'm sure yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know they're there to sort of yeah, have yeah. a chat let you know what's going on in the outside world and you know um, yeah. they do play a vital role in, in that part oh, of yeah. anyone's recovery and and Rich was talking about the, the setback within his rehab. Did you have did you have much setbacks at all, Connor, or was it very much I used the word plain sailing in respect of yeah, being put I, I back together, but it was more just getting the the operations really. That was the that was the biggest sort of kick I had, but then it was just more sort of psychological really right. along the way. Where it's becoming a bit difficult, you know, I'd have a you know, you and you we're only, we're only human, mm. you know. We do have down days, even in the best of health, really. But when you, you are pretty much rock bottom when you you you're injured up and you can't when you can't move and do your normal daily functions. It's mm. 
I found myself tying myself in knots, really. Um, and you'd have all, you know, there was once where I actually went for a checkup in Liverpool and I never got to see my surgeon. And I was totally focused on racing a bike again. You know, I was, that was that was it. That was all that was happening. I was going to get there. Been busting me behind just to get on a bike again, get myself fit, and everything was all good. I went for a checkup, and my surgeon couldn't see me, and I got his like a like an understudy, if I can, yeah, if yeah. that's the right thing. And she said, "I don't think you should be riding the bike again." <laughs> and I swear, it just sank me. Yeah. And it just it put me on a really bad track, and I thought, right, well, she's clearly talking to me. She's telling me this because she believes it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was a total different opinion to what my surgeon, who had seen my back from day one, yeah, you know, put me back together again. He was, and it was. It's easy to get sidetracked, really. That's you know, if I, uh, I remember just it. Actually, I took a bit of convincing, really, you know, because oh. I could have easily gone down that path yeah, and gone, yeah, oh, yeah. maybe I shouldn't. I thought I got myself back on track again. And that's just one sort of little blip, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't the most sort of, I probably wasn't the most uh, nicest person to be around during right. my rehab as well, you know, right. just occasions where I was probably snappy and, right. you know, uh, wasn't. What caused that, do you think? Um, I was probably, on, I was medication. I was, right. you know, I was getting tired and, you know, really, you know, ratty yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it was a real test obviously it's, a, it's, a, it's just a big head game for, yeah, for getting yeah, back yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know it can take the slightest thing and it would really mess you up because right. um, you're trying to get all your strength back and get strong again and then you know I've gone from like as I say from being fully fit yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to get my socks on yeah, being a big yeah. challenge you know building myself back up, building the strength up and you're building your head up as well with your mental strength and um, it's a huge challenge. Did huge you have challenge. Access, access, appreciate it, it was 20 years after yours, did you have access or were you given access to, I use the word therapist if that's the right word, psychologists, was that, was that part of an NHS thought process or did people around you say, do you think you should chat to someone? Uh, no, no, it was never really brought up in conversation to be honest, it was more of physical, right, you know, yeah, yeah. On the physical front, I mean, with everything that went on, I ended up being I was anemic. Uh, I went down to nine stone seven, right. and I was I couldn't eat. I wouldn't eat. I remember the first thing he said to me when I got back into Nobles when he flew me back from Liverpool after all my surgery. Woke up one morning and he just said, "Right, you've got to eat that." And it was a fry up, trying to get me to put a bit of weight on again. And yeah. I just could not eat it. Right. You know, so it was all these sort of things that yeah, you yeah. had to sort of break through to. Uh, getting back to full health, really. Yeah, yeah. It's a massive, massive challenge, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's incredible. I actually had a psychologist visit me in hospital. Um, this is when I come back from Liverpool. And, um, you know, I'd had the, the kind of big soft tissue operation, big lining operation uh, here in Liverpool, but then just came back and I was like, well, I'm on the way now. Um, and um, she, she kind of... In my view, she kind of put a dampener on things because I was had this ultra positive mindset. And I suppose uh, similar to what you had described. Yeah, she said, "Oh, and she said, oh, I've come see you because some of the the surgeons and nurses think you're a bit too positive." Right. And I just I sat what lay there thinking, "What do I know? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be positive here. You're you're telling me." And um, 
Yeah, I can see why they sent her, and, and um, I was a little bit off with her, to be honest. Basically, I suppose um, it's a fine so balance because it's good to be positive, but if you have a setback, yeah, because yeah, it's the high, I mean, the low becomes even lower, yeah, isn't it? And I, and I didn't appreciate how, you know, it was still touch and go. I mean, the, the, the muscle graft may not have taken, it was still quite a new kind of operation. Um, you know, I can't remember if that time if I'd had my leg pinned initially, um, but um, you know, I was still kind of thinking, well, I'm gonna, yeah, gonna get through this. And, um, and I just felt it was a real sort of check yeah, in my yeah. sort of positive thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at the time, I was thinking, well, why, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You're kind of, you're kind of yeah. distraction. And she never came again. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Don't I, see I, you. I kind of, I guess you got the message, but I think, like I alluded to earlier, um, in hindsight, I probably should have taken advantage of that sort of thing because. Um, you know, when your whole focus becomes, you know, you know, getting through it, then um, when you kind of leave that security blanket of um, you know, being careful in hospital, physio, <coughs> it it hits you, mm-hmm. and you, you know you kind of think, well, uh, uh, what now? Uh, and you mm-hmm. kind of then tend to dwell on things and your you know the negative aspects. Yeah, yeah. Do you think looking back now for both of you, <coughs> do you think? Think you're better people for your accidents, stronger people. I, I I think I'm not sure about better person or anything like that, but I think as the way I view or approach certain things, maybe you know, mm. if, <clears throat> you know, I might have worried about certain things. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, and I think well, you know, I think back to like. Try and get your socks on. Try and get my socks on. But even further back than that, like when I, you know, it's 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 a real morbid thing to be going on about. But like, you when they say right, we're going to do a surgery on your back, and they say they've got to make you fully aware of all the risks, and they're, they're rattling them off, and mortality is mentioned, blindness, you know, you could be paralysis and all. And you're thinking right, that's real, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, that is raw, you know, that is like holy, and it. It make it's. I think probably what what's come out of it is I've I appreciate things yeah. more. You know, I was twenty three back then. I I was fairly savvy with everything going on, and I was I was happy and doing things. I was respectful and all the rest of it. Uh, trying to be a good human being and all the rest. Yeah, of it, yeah, you know, yeah. um, did it mature you the accent? Not that I, you'd say you were. I wouldn't obviously know, but do you think that? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I grew up a little bit. Well, both at young age, it's a big yeah. trauma to deal with at that young age. It's when I look back and like twenty three, that's that is young. Yeah. You know, it's I was looking at the photographs, baby face. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It, well, it's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of positives that have come out of it as well, and I think that's one thing is there's a lot of even in the the most negative of things, there's always a positive you've got yeah, to pluck yeah. out of it and focus on that to to move forward and. You know, not to dwell on things and just try and be positive, but realistic. You know, you know. Yeah, I think you got to. My my dad, who sort of died a few years after the accident, he said he kind of. He said, uh, "Out of anything bad, you know, something good will come out of it." At the time, you know. Um, but I think back now, I think well, if I hadn't had it, 
wherever I'd be, and I don't yeah. think I'd be doing what I'm doing now, or, or you know, I, I haven't got a clue what I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. I literally haven't got a clue. I, I'd probably be in a job I wasn't enjoying. Yeah. Um, who knows? But uh, I think you know, the, you know the, you look back and you what happened, and um, with anything, you got to you got to make the most of it yeah, yeah. in the situation. And, you know, it's hard sometimes, and, and um, you know, obviously you get your, 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 down, your down periods. Uh, but um, I made a decision fairly early. I wanted to sort of got you know, a couple of two or three years down the line. I thought, well, I don't want it to define me. I want to, you know, I want to make my mark yeah, yeah. doing something else and doing something positive. I don't want to be known as the guy who fell off the tram. Yeah, yeah. You know, did his legging or whatever. You know, I, you know, I wanted to. Do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to travel, um, and I was, I was fortunate um, in that. Um, well, this was another sort of added complications and stuff. Was the the, the legal, uh, yeah. you know, the, the compensation uh, process, which was what, three or four years. Right. Um, but you know, I don't want to sound too mercenary because I didn't play up in it. You know, I didn't sort of. You know, aggravate my uh, my injuries to sort of yeah. some money. <laughs> you know, I was awarded a sum of money. It wasn't a huge amount, but it enabled me to travel you know, mm-hmm. and see the world. And when I was traveling the world, I decided that I wanted to study marketing. And I yeah. went to Australia for the first time and loved it. I thought, oh, I want to. I'd love to live here. So I applied to do a master's degree in marketing in, uh, in Melbourne, and I got in. And mm-hmm. Here you are. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Yeah. Um, you know, so out of the dad was right. <coughs> you know, right in any in any sort of with any negative. You, you yeah, know, if yeah. you if you sort of you know, obviously things fall the right way and you put your mind to it, then you know, goodwill good will come out. Yeah, yeah. And I and I just sort of contrasted to well, what if you know what if I hadn't had it? Yeah, yeah. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? You know, no, but, well, no, but it's, it's, it's just I, I I literally can't think what I'll be doing. I think that's part of the reason I want to chat again. I didn't really know any of. Stories in detail, but I always got that impression there was there's positivity in there, and uh, I think it's important that people listening when they're going through tough times, whatever that context might be, from an injury mm. to just a tough time in their life, that there's positives to, to take out. You might not see it in that moment, and again, we have such short vision of things, don't we? Again, we talk about something that you guys this was day on day, this was a grind, this is a reality, but looking back, it's goes in and goes so quickly. Uh, but that's part of all one of the main reasons I wanted to chat about this particular subject because it's not about getting into the detail of the trauma but it's about yeah, people go through hard times you know, everyone does in different formats in different contexts but yeah. you can take positives out of it try to push the negatives out and in fact potentially it, it was not all positive clearly but there's a, you know, rather than dwelling on it and feeling like a, I guess a victim in some yeah, ways. yeah I mean I, it's just something before, that, before we go on there that I, I never spoke about it um, particularly in a, in a career context because I didn't want to be seen as a victim um, you, know, you don't want to put down your CV oh yeah, I used to take action against my previous employers because um, you're just seen as a problem yeah. uh, and, a, and a, somebody with a victim mentality maybe um, so I kind of steered clear of talking about it I just got on with stuff and I think, like I said at the outset if you can vision your you know, 
where you want to be, yeah, yeah. dedicate yourself to doing that. Yeah, it's that drive, yeah. motivation, all those things we yeah. talk about on the sports podcast. Yeah, you can that. do it. And I think, I guess, Connor's going to say, but it's going to be defined by what happened on the. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Must have got the podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, he, he's, you know I, I see him as a, a successful yeah, yeah. motorcycle rider, not as the guy who fell off. It's, it's like the coffee man as well, and the pizza man. Well, now. it's actually more of a coffee man now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of his product. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's achieved so much success, you know, obviously in, in bike racing since. The incident, but also in other walks of his life, yeah, both yeah. in the, the it goes back to that. I wonder whether you'd be doing. I don't know, but whether that would happen. Whether you'd just just be, if you hadn't had the accident, you'd just be racing now. It's a it's a bizarre thing. I was uh, the accident and what unfolded after that really was my introduction to the drinking coffee. It yeah, sounds yeah, ridiculous, yeah. but it was literally us. Uh, I stayed, uh, again, going back to having that network of people around you, I have good, real solid family and friends and people around me, and I stayed with uh, some close friends, Peter and Marcus, and uh, I'd never drank tea or coffee before that, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the occasional cup of coffee would sort of, like, arrive one morning, I was like, right, I don't mind this, you know. So that's where, it really, you know, yeah, that was yeah. me sort of starting with, with a bit of coffee drinking and but it, what it really highlighted the whole incident, the the whole the big the big thing about having the crash and really uh, not knowing where the next penny was going from, yeah, right. you know, being on the the rags of me, you know what really uh, yeah. was a massive eye opener, and I thought, Do you know, I need something else if I'm to 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 have a oh, a living right. really right. later on, you know, does does life after motorbikes, and it really highlighted. I, I'm so passionate about racing my motorbikes and it's it's what I do. Um but it can be over just like that, you know, and I wanna do other stuff in my life as well and I th- I think it helps when I mean, we talk to athletes about not having an identity outside their sport, so focused on their sport and then when an injury comes along it, it Fs the head head up so much more because that was their identity and it's like what else have I got? So those extra things as they are help that bringing perspective as well plus then if this is lost so you have an accident tomorrow you can't race again there's there's, there's that hole to fill of I've still got an identity it's it's coffee it's a business yeah yeah it's, it's business has always interested me you know from from when I was probably late in my late teens really I've always been in had an interest in businesses I've got friends who run business own businesses and you get to understand how they do things in their their field and I've always been interested in it and um, I want to. I wanted to do my own thing, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I, my my accident made me appreciate. There's more. Yeah, sounds no, terrible. 100%, there's no hundred percent. There's more to life than yeah, racing yeah. motorbikes, and it's it's still it's, my main thing. You know. Yeah, no, that's what the, the so many of our podcast the sport mm. podcasts are about. It's it's the, we love our sport, whatever that might be, or whatever we're doing. Yeah. Uh, but there's always more to it, whether it's yeah. yeah those things. So Rich then just talked about how it changed. Or you went travelling and and studying for you, I suppose, just to finish up. Really, back on the bike. When 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 did that start happening? Getting getting back on the bike and uh, the crash happened in the June, and I was back racing. Then nine months later, wow. Right. Did the, I did the so the accident was twenty ten. I was racing the following TT. Right. Uh, you in great shape then. If I was in terrible thing. form. All right. Okay. <laughs> I was in terrible <laughs> shape. Be polite. Right. I mean, I'd only just started to put my socks on, like. So. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> what, about men- what about mentally 
Um, I mean, you could have been in great shape physically, and obviously you weren't, but I mean, how were you in the mind? I was tired. Right. I was tired, I think, really. That's, yeah. You know, my physical state was... I, I, I was re- basically... I could barely change gear properly. My yeah. left side, because of all the trauma my left side had had, you know, my my left humerus and whatnot. But I was I was weak. Right. I could still ride. I was in control, but you know, two laps in to a six lap race, and I was I was tired. Yeah, like, was, yeah. I know ultimately you were racing, and you've said you wanted to get racing back as soon as possible. Were there some of your friends and family saying maybe you should not come back if you're mentally tired you're not as strong as you used to be let's give it a year let's give it a year come year and come back 100 as close to 100% as you 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 should be yeah but I suppose with that mindset you have it didn't really matter you 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 wanted to kind of prove and get I guess get back as soon as possible and say you know that accident isn't me but I'm I'm back and I I can do it the conversation was had Mm. for, for definite uh you know, because obviously, the, and they're bound to be concerned. My my family, I always my, my family are my, my my rock really, um, and you know, I love them to bits, and they've been great. And you know, the, but I always discuss things. Even like when I decided to do my first TT, I was still when I made a decision. I was nineteen year, years of age, and looking back, that was that was unreal, really. Um, so I, it was a discussion after the accident that you know should you know. How do you, how are you? They would never say, "Do you really think you should be doing this?" It was like, "What? How are you feeling?" And what what's your sort of yeah. thought process? And um, I wanted to do it, and I, I I was achieving my goal of getting back racing from when I was flat on my back in Osborne. Yeah, I mean, you, go, you talked earlier, sorry about that. Those small goal settings, and irrespective of whether you felt you were super competitive that year, it was just a goal yeah. to get on the bike, race, still probably yeah. hundred and whatever mile an hour lap. It was just another stepping stone. That's what you've been thinking about since day one of rehab. Yeah, yeah, and the best form of rehab for me was being on a motorbike, yeah, right. uh, both body and mind, really. Yeah. And it really, really helped me out. Um, and to be able to, I went to Brands Hatch in the March of that year to 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 go and do British Championship ride as well. And I qualified. I I fell just outside of the the qualifying uh, maximum, and they had like a, a last chance qualifier for the main race. So I ended up in that, and I finished. I finished second in that that race or third. And I got I qualified into the main race, so oh. I was racing in that category. I was at the the you know qualified yeah. basically for the, the the top group, and so it started to to come good. And then we had a, a decent Northwest two hundred, and which is prior to TT, and then TT came around, and you know I was I was a weak man. I'll be honest with you. I was nowhere near. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be competing for 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 race wins or podiums, uh, but I finished fifth. In the super sport race, it was a three lap super sport race. Right. Finished fifth after the year after flying down the mountainside and yeah, bat- beating myself up. And so to come from that to putting the, the things in motion, little targets and achieving them and just picking them off one by one, mm-hmm. you know, by the time I got to first riding my bike after, you know, going, when I first went testing to then landing at the TT and then getting that fifth, it was like oh, unbelievable. A massive, massive like stick in the ground, you know, and 
that was a, the, the point, the foundation to, to, to build on. And we just went on from there. How did you find your first lap, racing lap, going past that area? Did it? Did you? You know, I know you, you mm. said, "Oh, when you're on the bike, you've kind of just got to be in the moment." But was there a flicker of trepidation on the start line, or even just thinking of that moment? You know, in the back of your head of this part's coming up here. Can I tell a story before you say that? Yeah. In James, you remember James McBride. Yes. A massive spill at Gorsley yep. years ago. And I remember chatting to him, I don't know, I'm just at the grandstand, and I asked him that exact question of, you know, you come into Gorsley next time around, 100 and whatever. And he, he said it was a real bad mental battle come, coming into there. Yeah. Yeah. Same, really. Uh, I'd had a huge mental battle before, you know, a 12 month sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it all came to. I went out on my six hundred, a super sport bike, and uh, I was. I think I just passed someone prior to the mountain mile. I was like, right, okay, we're not far away now. And it was. It was. I, lo- I love that you're thinking about that. You're doing like 180 <laughs> miles out of the mountain. I'm thinking, yeah, sure, we're coming up here now. <laughs> the rest of us, we just hang in the F on, aren't we? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah, I just you know I built up and I thought I came up onto the corner, and I just went around just like normal. Right. I just pinned it as, as as I would be on a racing line. Obviously I wasn't as committed and as fast as prior but as well, yeah, for yeah. me to be able to get to that point I thought I've just got to, like I've got to smash through this yeah, and just wow. get around it and I did and it felt it felt amazing. Because right. really that was sort of finished a lap yeah, in theory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and uh so massive massive head game. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. got to get to that point was huge and it just it's got better since. Yeah yeah I presume uh, I know we well it's not a sports podcast I'll have to get you on to just talk about your career in general but just maybe just one question on that the the whole you guys like three corners ahead when you're racing thinking again I might ride my push bike and think about a pothole a little bit down the road obviously everything's going so quickly just come and customise that over two weeks and it's not what you perceive as a blur to you it's just totally natural. Right. By the time, I mean, first night of practice or first two nights of practice, you're always sort of thinking, right, you know, dust on the road like we discussed about yeah. before and uh, there's not an awful lot of grip down and you're sort of riding well within yourself the first couple of nights and then it starts building up and building up and then you just by the end of practice week come first race day, you're just riding totally on feel right. and it's like it's all gut, it's in your gut and, right. you know, you just... I don't particularly ride two corn, two or three corners ahead. I'm just like looking at my my markers, my yeah, right. breaking points, and how's the bike feeling? And you know, because as well as focusing on the road ahead, you got to think about what the bike's doing underneath you. Yeah, you know, yeah, conditions yeah. and it's all feel. Yeah. I ride everything. My bike's everything on feel. It's right. uh, it's it's the it's the only way I've ever done it. Do you know what gear? So, because again, one thing that always amazes me: you jump off like a thousand get on a 600 and your breaking points are obviously completely different but that's all just natural you just know yeah yeah it's it's quite a quite that's quite a thing to be able to do i think because and it's it's i get off my site right so i've got two push bikes one with caliper brakes one with disc brakes yeah see the braking's completely different on them yeah Yeah, you go up to the first few halt signs and either you're throwing off the bars 
over the bars or you roll over the whole time because you've yeah. got a different bike. So to, to do that at 20 times the speed. It is, but I, that's just experience yeah, yeah. doing it for so many years and uh, having a great, uh, you know, going back to that, that network of people around you, you your team, you know, the experience yeah. that's there. They can all, like Clive, Clive Padgett, my, my team boss for Malenko by Padgett's motorcycles, he's, he's an absolute expert. You know, he's run teams in Grand Prix uh, and was a top deck racer himself. But you do your laps in practice, and like you say, you can ride potentially. I ride three bikes in one night 600 Superstock, Superbike. They all feel totally different to each other. And yet, we sit down to do a debrief, and it's like, what, how's the bike feel through this? through this corner what gear you're in how's the gear and feel what's the temperature of the bike running at right. you know all these things and you've got to be able to rattle them off because as okay you think practice week is a week you think you've got bags of time oh, I bet it goes in a heartbeat. but it's just it's gone and uh, to be able to you go to a, a short circuit race do a BSB race or something like that the track is no more than say just over two miles no problem rattle every corner off in my head I can tell you what gear See when it comes to TT and it's over thirty-seven miles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a different animal, and yeah, it's, yeah. to be able to dissect everything down, it's you know, and it's it's, it's, it's a, I feel that's a skill to have, you know. It's, it's and it's yeah. that's the, what I really enjoy about TT. It's so technical and it's yeah. just a massive physical challenge as well. Yeah, and yeah. I just love doing it. It's yeah. uh, I say quite, you know, I'm sure on six hundreds corners are taking it. Not different speeds, but different gears. Or you know, yeah. corners where you go flat out on a six hundred, but not on a on a big bike, and just to not even be thinking about yeah. shit on a big bike and your brake early. It's just instinct built in from obviously years of experience. Yeah, and then you just ride on feel. Yeah. Yeah. Six hundred. You, I would say, in some corners around the course, you are actually more committed. You're right. the most committed on the six hundred right. than you are on some other bikes. Yeah, yeah. Right. fascinating. Well, I'm going to have to ask you for another podcast. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys yeah. coming in. No, thank you. Yeah, it was pleasure. about hopefully people taking some inspiration from, from setback mm. and uh, showing that uh, you can take a lot of positivity out of it. So yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. No much. problem. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. It's uh, a word out from Martin. A word out from Matt.